Luke 12:48 in the message says great gifts mean great responsibilities. Last week, Pastor Jeff spoke a message on eternal rewards and the value that character adds in determining those eternal rewards. This week, Pastor Jeff preaches a message about eternal responsibility and how who we choose to be today determines the level of authority and responsibility that we will bear in eternity. Enjoy this message from the City of Life Church podcast. I'm in this series called The Dash, and it's, it's very interesting because when you're planning for something like this and you're talking about The Dash, there's two different, I mean, there, there's many different ways you can go, but one is by focusing exclusively on the things that you do on a day-to-day basis. The other is the implications that those things have on the long-term effect in terms of eternity, the way, the way you live your life today, how it affects positionally who you are in eternity, the kinds of rewards, the kind of responsibilities for those that don't know Jesus, in all honesty, the kinds of punishment that you will have based on the way you've lived your life. And, and my thought, you know, as I'm, I've been preparing these things every week and, and I'm, I'm driving here today and I'm thinking in my head, how is it that, that enough people fill churches on Sunday mornings across the world, they have enough faith to believe that Jesus died for their sins and is their savior. They believe the Bible enough to believe that part. But yet there's other parts of it that they just sort of don't think about or they think, well, I just get a free pass on that. I mean, it's like if we believe it enough to trust our eternal salvation, then we better believe the other parts as well. Does anyone agree with that? Even from a logical standpoint, it's like if we're trusting everything, we better read all of it, we better understand all of it, the way that tiny little things could impact a long period of time. For instance, you know, have you guys ever noticed when you watch old movies uh, or, or stuff from the, the you know, 40s, 50s, things like that? You ever notice how people smoke in like almost every single scene? Did you guys know that I'm seriously, I was watching a Disney cartoon uh, from, the, from like the 30s the other day. And like Donald Duck, one of these guys is smoking. You know, like the characters smoke. It's just, it's insane. I mean, can you imagine what our kids today would do? Daddy, why is Donald Duck smoking? I mean, it'd be crazy. I think they're, and, and first of all, I, I am not trying to make anyone feel bad here today that's smoking, uh, that, that smokes or something like that. That's not the point. My point is this. It has been proven that smoking kills people. It has been proven that if you, I mean, my, my uh, wife's uncle, her favorite uncle, died from lung cancer. He, I mean, so, so we have directly, through you know, medical observation and science, shown that smoking will reduce the length of your life. So there are people that smoke. That, that's something, I mean, people that choose to do things that are, are obviously dangerous or not helpful for you, I certainly think it's within your legal rights to do those things. You, you have to really pray about the wisdom in your life that you use when doing anything. Uh, that is not beneficial to you. Uh, I, I don't suggest doing it, uh, but, but of course, that's not the point I'm trying to make here today. The point I'm trying to make here today is that massively the numbers of smokers have gone down since we realized that small thing that we do can have such massive consequential effects on how long we live in this life. Therefore, using that same logic, if we are able to adjust our pattern of behavior based on 
we know how consequential those choices are. When you multiply at times infinity, why wouldn't you look at the way you live your day-to-day life and realize that those rewards are multiplied exponentially for the kingdom things that we do in this life and our loss is multiplied exponentially. Even the loss of potential reward, the loss of potential reward in heaven is a loss because the things, and you're saying, well, where are you going with this? I'm gonna explain it. I'm just trying to set it up today saying it baffles me that even me, I'm not pointing the finger, I'm just saying that even me, I can trust Jesus with my salvation enough but have parts of the Bible and principles of theology that teach us that our day-to-day actions are multiplied, the rewards we're gonna receive them are multiplied in heaven through eternity. Our responsibilities, our rewards, the things that God is gonna entrust us with. And I think one of the problems there is we got bad theology sometimes when it comes to heaven. We don't know what heaven is. We think it sounds boring. Or, or, I mean, definitely we don't know theology. If people think hell sounds fun, they're like, yeah, I can't wait to get to hell. I'm going to play with ACDC and their band. I'm like, uh. <laughs> like we got some bad theology that makes us not understand the, the, the magnificence and the wonder and the creativity and, and the limitlessness of what God is going to have us do in heaven. Uh, so, so we don't find it that appealing and we're not working for it. Even though the Bible says things like, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where it can corrupt, but lay up for yourself treasures where? In heaven. It tells us, be smart. Think about eternity. Increase your wealth and your bank account and your rewards in heaven someday. Why? Because there's going to be an economy there. Because there are going to be responsibilities there. There's going to be ways of spending. There's going to be ways of, of stewarding what God has given you in this life in heaven. When you ignore that, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's like, I'll tell you what it's like. What it's like is, it's like my, my honeymoon. Amy and I knew nothing about money when we got married. It's like, we, number one, we didn't have any of it. And then number two, all we knew is we didn't have none. All the money that we got for our uh, wedding, for our wedding uh, presents, I, you know, we ended up spending on just necessities. And when we left and went to the Bahamas, I left and went there with $200. We were there for seven days. I thought that was a lot. I was like, we are going to party. Like, when I got there, I was like, babe, we're in trouble. Uh, like, we went and bought, like, wheat thins and, like, uh, like cereal and stuff in our hotel. Like, we're, like, trying to, like, stretch out the, you know, we're, like, rationing the wheat thins. I'm like, I'm like well, I weigh twice as much, so I get twice as many. Uh, you, you know, like, we're, we're going through it all. I had to come, we had to come home early. Uh, like, we were, like, we were there, supposed to be there for seven days. I called my dad. I was like, dad. Uh, I need you to give me some money. I was like, I have to like rebook my flight to come home. Like, after three days, we ran out of money. We literally had no money for food. So like, that's not good stewarding, amen? That, that's realizing that I'm going to a place that is wonderful, but in that economy, I can only function correctly if I'm equipped to be able to function in that economy properly. Okay, so heaven is wonderful. You will have residence in heaven because of the person that is Jesus. Okay, so you're not going to be kicked out of heaven. That's not the point. Is that you're going to be kicked out of heaven, and, and you're not going to be like homeless in heaven. So I'm not inferring that either. It's not going to be like you're, you know, you're going up on the street lights to people who are in their cars and be like, help, help a brother out. You know, I just figured this out at the end of my life. It's not going to be like that. Okay, so I'm, I'm not saying that. But what I'm trying to tell you is that the Bible beckons us, beckons us to take this for all it's worth. 
to live this life of intentionality where we end up standing before a God that looks at us and goes, well done, my good and what? Faithful servant. What, what a sound that is, is going to be to be able to hear that and then to see what that actually means. So that's what this series, The Dash, is all about. Today I'm going to be talking about responsibilities, the responsibilities in heaven. Uh, in this series, I, I've kind of used 1 Corinthians 3, 8, uh, that basically th- what 3, 14, and 15 is, is, is my text for today. It says, if, if what has been built in this life survives, the builder receives a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer, will suffer loss and yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So there's a reward in heaven. We are the builder. Christ is the foundation, according to this passage of Scripture in Luke, in, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Christ is the foundation. Our lives are the building. We choose the materials every day that we choose to build with, with our attitude, with the way we approach life, with our consciousness toward the kingdom, uh, how, how thoughtful, mindful we are of kingdom things. Okay, I talked about that. Uh, I talked last week. Well, I also used the analogy of the yarn. If you didn't see that, and, and I think it was week one, we wrapped this yarn around the whole building. And, and Scott was standing over there in the corner. He had a little piece of dust in his hand, and that represented our life, and that yarn represented eternity, just going on and on and on and on and on. And this tiny life we live dictates our position in eternity, and you can't change that once you get to heaven. It's only dictated by this life, and we don't know how long we're going to live. We know that we average 75 years. I hope everyone lives longer than that. We average 75 years. So what does that mean? Okay, so I want to get into this today. Last week, we talked about the parable of the talents, a parable in which a man left on a journey, and he gave three of his servants differing amounts of money. One, he gave five talents. Two, he gave two. One, he gave one. This was a huge sum of money. Like, like huge. And he goes away and he comes back and the, the guy he gave the most to doubles it. Uh, the guy that he ga- gave the second amount to doubles it. And the third guy buries it. And he comes back and he gets severely reprimanded by this guy. So last week we were talking about how God in many ways gives us different abilities in this life. And it's not our responsibility to worry about somebody who has more abilities than us. It's not our job to worry about people that have more than us, whether it's whatever. I mean, the problem with this third guy who only had one is when he came back, he told his master, he said, you're cruel, you're harsh. I was afraid. This guy didn't say that the master was cruel and harsh and afraid. This guy that had the five didn't say he was cruel and harsh and he was afraid. No, this guy did. Why? Because he was just concerned about what he didn't have. He was more concerned about what they had than what he had. So we learned last week that in many ways God gives us differing abilities and asks that we, and not just ask, but requires that we maximize them for kingdom use. But today I'm going to read a different story. Some people think it's the same story, but it's actually a different story. It's not the parable of the talents. It's called the parable of the minus. Okay, and it's different because it has a, it's a, it's different structurally, it's similar, but it has a different purpose and a different meaning. So I'm going to read this today, and I'm going to pray, and we'll get right into our message. So it says this, Luke 19. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable, because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. 
He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. He gave 10 different servants, 10 minas, one each, okay, which is equivalent to about 100 days wages, three months wages. He gave it to each of them, an equal amount to each of them. But his subjects who lived there hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of 10 what? Of 10 what? The second came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. His, his master answered, you take charge of five cities. Notice he didn't say, well done. He said, you take charge of five cities. The other servant came and said, sir, here's your mina. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth, a handkerchief. I was afraid because you're a hard man. Doesn't this sound similar? You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man? taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. Sir, they said, he already has 10. The people watching didn't like his judgment. They said, this guy's already got 10. He replied, I tell you what, I tell you, it's, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. This blows our mind because we don't think like this. He says, but those enemies of mine, now he changes the subject to the people who didn't think he should be king, but those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. I'm bringing you a very loving sermon today. Okay, it's called the dash responsibilities. <laughs> Father, thank you for your presence. Bless it today. Uh, help our hearts be open to receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so in this story, it's really important right off the bat to note that in this story, Jesus is the man of noble birth who goes to the distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. Can I get an amen from someone? Amen. If you believe Jesus is going to return someday, say amen. amen. Okay, so Jesus is coming back someday for the church. He's coming back for us. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So he will come. He is coming. So this story, so these guys that are listening to this cannot possibly know what he's talking about. They can't possibly make these parallels that Jesus is referring to himself. They think he's just simply telling a story and that there's meaning and there's a moral value to the story. But they can't possibly know the long-term implications of what he's saying. It's only when you step back from this and realize theologically that Jesus is the king that has gone away to this distant place, which is heaven, and that he is coming back for us someday, it's only then that we can realize that we are the ones in the story that have been given the amount, that we are the ones that he is going to look at and examine. 
Okay, so as we kind of dig into it a little bit, uh, all these scriptures we've been reading for the last couple of weeks about being judged according to what you have done, they will happen. They will happen. Put your hand on your heart. It's going to be a hard one to say. So say this right now. I will be judged according to what I have done. It's simply just a fact. And what's crazy is you're not being judged on your standard. You're being judged on the judge's standard. Okay? And Jesus is the one who will be doing the judging. So it has nothing to do with what you think is right. It has nothing to do with what you perceive to be the truth. It has, that's why we better make sure. I ask you every single week, please open your Bible. I'm not asking you to listen to what I say and just take it as the total gospel truth. Make sure that I'm preaching the gospel properly by examining it every single week. I want you to know this stuff because it's not my standards you're being judged by. It is the Lord's. It is the Lord's standard. So in this story, we have a little bit of a twist, which means there's a different meaning. Last week, we're dealing with talents, abilities. The person sitting next to you, you know, may not have as, I don't know, they may not be as good at Monopoly as you or something. Like, everyone's got a different ability. And I'm sure that maybe the other person on your other side is not as good at dominoes as you. You know, you got like varying degrees of what people are good at. That's what last week's story was about. This week's story is different. Why? Because everyone is given the same amount. And can I also just mention that there are 10 guys here. There are 10 different people and only three of them are referred to in the story. So there's varying degrees on the spectrum. You've got 10, a guy who had one and he turns it into 10. You have a guy that had one and he turns it into five. Then you have a guy that had one and he just leaves it at one. So logic would tell us that he picked three out of the group of ten, and everyone within that group varied their increase from one to ten. If there was someone that had 15, it wouldn't have been ten he was referring to. It would have been 15. So, and, and if there was someone that like lost the one or something and had zero, he would have told you that. But it means that all ten of them had somewhere between one and ten, and he's picking out three different ones to make a point about something. So why are they given the same amount? What is being discussed here? This has nothing to do with what your neighbor has and what you don't have. This story has nothing to do. This is something else. They're all given the same amount. Very much like two weeks ago when I talked about Matthew 20. Remember when I talked about the guy who hired all the different people? And he paid them what? He paid them all the same no matter how long they had worked. Similar to that. We're talking about something that is, is a little bit bigger here. So they're, they're given the same. Now, here's the other key that I want you to know if you're going to decipher the meaning of this. The final guy who did not increase his amount was not considered an enemy. Did you notice that the only people in the story that were considered enemies were the people that were in the culture that were around this as it was going on and that did not approve of the king and they were actually put to death. But the guy that was considered, that, was, uh, that only had the one and kept it at one, he was not considered an enemy. So we have to ask ourselves, what is this about? This is about Christians. This story is about Christians. It's about Christians that are given the same in some regard. So we have to figure out what the Lord is trying to teach us through this story. In this story, we've got Christians 
and we're, be, we're contrasting the behavior of Christians in this life. So that's one thing we're talking about in the story. And then the other thing is we're contrasting Christians from people that do not know Jesus. We're talking about redeemed people and non-redeemed people in the story. So the Christians are contrasted with one another in how they live their lives when they're given the same thing. Then they're contrasted with people who simply do not know or recognize, do not want Jesus, have no love whatsoever, want to kill Jesus, want to push Jesus out, do not want him the Lord of their life. And we find out their fate in this story as well. Now, this is interesting. Uh, it, it says that th their faithfulness in this story, so Jesus commends the guy who turns his one into ten. Now he says good job to him. He doesn't say good job to the other ones. He says good job to the one that did the most with that same amount that he was given. But it's interesting because what does he say? Does he say I'm going to give you a hundred minus? No. What does he say? I'm gonna, you, you did ten. You went from one to ten. So what am I going to give you? Ten what? Ten what? Wow. Responsibility. Responsibility. So he is going to reward one of these Christians with cities, with cities. That has to do with leadership. That has to do with ruling. That has to do with character qualities that God esteems worthy of a leadership position, long-term, eternally. To the second guy, the second guy increased it from one to five, and he says to him, I'm going to give you five what? I'm going to give you five what? Wow, he's five cities. But then the final guy, what does he do? Does he say, well, I'm going to give you one city? No, he goes, give your one to the other dude. So homie over here went from 10 cities to 11 cities. Why? Because somebody didn't have their responsibility. and They didn't take their responsibility with what they had been given equally with all other Christians and all other people that are, are redeemed. So I, I think this is powerful. One guy had a 900% increase. And he gets 10 cities. One guy has a 400% increase. He gets five cities. One guy didn't lose it, but didn't gain it. He didn't, remember, he didn't lose it. Because what was given to him, you can't lose in the kingdom. Can I get an amen? You can't lose in the kingdom. But you're expected to increase. Look at someone next to you and say, the expectation is high. That's the same in both stories. That's the same in the stories of your talents. And it's the same in the stories of what I'm talking about right now. And what I'm talking about right now is your character. What I'm talking about here today are the things that God has given you that are equal with all Christians. What does he have given you? What are equal gifts that we receive? We all receive equal love from God. Can I get an amen? amen? We all receive equal mercy. We all receive freedom from the power of sin equally. We all have the name of Jesus to call upon equally. We all have Jesus and power and authority to call upon. Amen. We all have the same Holy Spirit. We all have faith. We all have the revelation of truth. We all have an entrance into the kingdom as sons and daughters of God. And we all have eternal life. Amen. So those are the things that we have equally. Pay attention here. This is good. Your eternal reward is determined by what you do for God. We talked about that last week. What you do with your talents. But your eternal responsibility is determined by who you become for God. Who you become from God. That is, a, that is a really important distinction between these two stories. 
Your, your eternal responsibility. Can you imagine God looking at people, judging them for their behaviors as Christians, and saying, good job, John. You did a great job. I'm going to put you over 100 cities eternally. What, what, what kind of cities? Oh, I, that, I'm going to unfold all that. You're going to see how all that works, but I trust you. Why is God doing this? If you were a leader, imagine if somebody gave you leadership over every person in this room, and you had to lead them in like a city forever, and you had to manage them. What would you do? You would have to come up with some type of system where you evaluated everyone's strengths, everyone's weaknesses. What would become the key things that you would trust the most when establishing this long-term community? I guarantee you faithfulness would rise to the top. I guarantee you consistency would rise to the top. I guarantee you a kind temperament and love and compassion. Yeah, there's a lot of talented people in this room, but the talent would go way down the list compared to the faithfulness, to the, the kindness, to the peace, to the love, the joy, the peace, the, the you know, goodness, meekness, temperance, self-control, all those qualities which are actually called what? Fruit of the Spirit. Those are all the things that you would begin to value. That's exactly what God is doing. That's exactly what God is doing. He's looking at all of his people and he's looking at our lives and saying, I am building an eternal kingdom whom I'm going to assign responsibility to but based on this life. And I'm looking at what they've done. I'm looking at who they are becoming. You know, it's like Luke 13. I love the story in Luke 13. What's the story? A man had a fig tree. So he goes and he, he says, I, I don't get it, man. This fig tree ain't producing no figs. So at that point, it ain't really no fig tree. It's just a dead tree. And he's going, I, I need this space, man. I, if if I'm, I, I own this vineyard, I'm supposed to be producing fruit. This thing's dead. Get it out of here. So he says to the guy that takes care of it, kill that thing. And the guy goes, I tell you what, give me one more year to nurture it. Give me one more year to take care of it. If it doesn't produce fruit after that, rip it up, throw it away. Cut it down, burn it. What does this story teach us? This story teaches us that our life is about producing fruit. It's about developing and cultivating fruit. You've heard me teach it before. That the, the growth of fruit in our life is gradual. It's a little day-by-day -day thing that we see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. We see all those things grow in our life. It's gradual. You can't feel yourself growing. Amen. I mean, you, you might have some aches and pains, but you don't go, ah, and someone's like, what? You're like, ah, I just grew an inch. You don't do that. No one does that. It's gradual. It's inevitable. It means that if you are a Christian, you will grow. You will grow in the fruit of the Spirit if you are a Christian. You say, well, I'm not growing. Then revisit whether or not you're serving God or not. So you got to be really careful. Revisit whether you're serving the Lord if you're not growing at all. Meet Jesus. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. So it's gradual. It's inevitable. It's symmetrical. It means that you're not only growing in love, but not growing in peace. You're, the proper Christian growth is symmetrical. And it's internal. Internal. It's something that happens on the inside of you. And it's setting you up for responsibility in heaven. Guys, we have no idea the plan of God that is going to unfold through eternity. We know that in this story, based on who this person has become, 
God has given him 10 cities in heaven. So there will be rewards. We discussed that. That is based on your work, the things that you do for God. But there are also responsibility that is given, not based on what you do, but who you become. Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you living that Jesus kind of life every single day? That's something that happens on the inside of you. And please listen to that warning of the parable that I read to you from Luke chapter 13. God looks at some people's life. He didn't see any fruit. But Jesus is kind. And Jesus goes, wait a minute, Father, hold on. I know we want to cut this thing down, but give it some time. If you're here today and you're not growing, get right with Jesus. Get right with God. Cultivate, grow fruit in your life. Next week is going to be a strange concept to talk about in church. And it's hard to talk about in church. But next week, I'm going to talk about who are these people on the outside that wanted, that did not want Jesus to be their king? What did the dash mean for them? Because he said, kill these people in front of me. This is eternal separation from God. It means that during the dash, we can actually live a kind of life that has no fruit whatsoever, that is not connected with the king in any way. And there's an eternal consequence for that. I hope no one in this room, I hope we don't have to get to next week. I hope today, as Pastor Justin is going to come up on the stage in just a moment, he's going to pray a salvation prayer. I hope every person in this room gets their heart right with God so that you can live appropriately, so that you can do the work of the kingdom, so that you, become, you can become who you're meant to be in the kingdom, and no one will be the person on the outside in the story that looks at Jesus and goes, I want no part of him because we see what happens in the story. And that's just a, that's just, that's just the symbolism for what it's gonna look like. We, what it's gonna actually look like is horrifying. We can't really grasp that. But today, I, I offer you the hope of Jesus today. I offer you the hope of Jesus. And I say, get your heart right with God today. And let's not only do great work for the kingdom, and, and the kingdom is all around us. It's everything we do. Your, your car is the kingdom. The way you treat your car is the kingdom. The way you do your job is, is, is about the kingdom. Are you doing it for the Lord? Or are you just doing it for the paycheck? Are you doing it to keep your boss happy? Because the Bible says we work for the Lord. The kingdom is all around you. So it's the work we do for the kingdom, and it's who we become for the kingdom. Thanks for listening to this message from the City of Life Church podcast. On a weekly basis, you can tune in to experience challenging, encouraging, and life-changing messages from the City of Life Church pastoral team. If these messages have blessed you in any way, we ask that you consider partnering with us through generosity. Your generosity enables us to bless our community with events like I Love My City and our upcoming special needs Easter egg hunt. You can give by heading to col.tv give. We thank you for moving the kingdom forward and we'll see you next week.